Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. I'm inside the Our Holy Redeemer Catholic Church in Webster Groves with Patrick Murphy. You might remember him from his broadcasting career. These days he's writing books and his latest book is called Places to Pray, Holy Sites in Catholic Missouri. Patrick, we're using our inside voices. I was just going to say that word, <laughs> our in-church voices, yes. Well, I think it's appropriate to do that. But tell me, before we get into the book, tell me about the church that we're in right now. This is uh, Holy Redeemer. Uh, it's uh, a beautiful example of mid-century architecture. You, you can see the light right now is beautiful, passing through the stained glass windows and it's got a lot of modern, open design, you know, unlike a lot of churches in St. Louis, which are like uh, uh, German Gothic, you know, the, the, the old ones. But it, it's a beautiful church. Before this, there was a church built in the 1890s. And for me, there's a personal connection. My dad went to Holy Redeemer School oh, yeah? next door. And uh, he, my grandfather went to church here, that generation, and my great-grandfather's generation. They moved to Webster like in... 1909 from Kerry Patch, and they've been parishioners. So there's kind of a personal connection here, too. So tell me about the inspiration for writing this book about holy sites throughout Missouri. I'm assuming you traveled all over the state to gather information and photos, but what was the impetus for creating this in the first place? It was sort of a convergence of a lot of things that I'm curious about. I, I love architecture. I love design. I love history. <laughs> and art, and Catholic churches have a way of bringing all that together. Like as we're saying, this is a mid-century church, but there are uh, all kinds of different designs and architectures of churches all over, all over, from like log cabins and stone churches out in the middle of rural Missouri to giant cathedrals and basilicas. The funny thing is, you know, when you walk in here today, all of a sudden the outside world is, is gone. And Architecture is this incredible way of, of creating a mood that you enter. Like you notice, we're very polite now. We're, you know, sort of a slightly elevated plane. If you were to come by yourself and you wanted to pray, it's quiet, it's beautiful, it's inspiring, the art in the glass, the stations of the cross, the statues. The Catholic Church, I think, figured out a long time ago that if people were going to connect with God, if they were going to listen to God or try to talk to God— you got to be in a state of mind other than when's my next oil change? <laughs> I got to send some emails. I got all this monkey chatter in my brain. So through art and design and architecture, it, 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 all of these places have their own distinct mood that brings you to kind of a kind of a, a, a different a different zone. Um, Are there? And, and and seeing all these places around the state was amazing. Yeah. So give me a couple of examples of. You know, this is a mid-century. Give me a couple of other examples of ones that you saw that just stood out to you. Well, of course, here in St. Louis, of course, there's uh, the the new cathedral on Lindell. I mean, that is just amazing. That is totally sensory overload. I mean, you, I'm sure a lot of 
people, Catholic and non-Catholic, go there because some people go there to pray. Some people go there because they're tourists, and you got to see the new cathedral. The old cathedral is beautiful. On the north end of downtown, there is uh, the Shrine of St. Joseph, which has been completely restored to the way it looked like in the 1850s. And then there are churches, too, that you've never been to and maybe didn't even know were there. There's uh, Our Our Lady of Victories, uh, just south of the Arch, surrounded by dilapidated factories and practically under a highway overpass that was built right after they built the new cathedral, the old, the old cathedral, 1840s. And you go inside and it's a totally different world. It could be the, 18, the <laughs> 1840s. It, it, it really could. All these different, St. Francis de Sales is a beautiful church, you know, very traditional. You go in there and the women are wearing veils, you know, and and they're doing the the Latin mass. You know, every Catholic church is a little bit like every Catholic church, but they all have their own different flavors. Some of them have the influences of like the ethnic groups that settled them. You go to some and you'll see the infant of Prague, Eastern European, you know, influences and traditions. There was even one I noted in your book from, I think it was northeastern Missouri, a small little Catholic church (laughs) that had an African-American history to it. Yeah, the first uh, the first um, African-American ordained priest was baptized there. Uh, little little tiny town. And, and in fact, uh, in the in the graveyard, because the history of the state is embedded in all of this. There's uh, a graveyard and a lot of these places have graveyards and you can see the history of the town and, and the region in the graveyard uh, and in the back segregated from all the rest is the black, mostly slave cemetery with crosses, many of them broken down with unknown written across them. Other places you'll go there and you'll see, oh, the oldest graves, they're French. And then you see a lot of German graves in the 1850s and then 1860s. Oh, the Irish are coming to town to build the railroad, you know. So it's almost like geographical, geological levels of, of, you know, people coming in. So if you like history... uh, I, I, the book might appeal to you as as well, and it's not just for Catholics. It's for anybody who's interested in art, design, history, or just wants to go on kind of a, a, a you know little tour of cool things in the state. And I, yeah, I don't think you have to be Catholic to appreciate the beauty of a Catholic church yeah. or the history. And I think you're you know telling that well. Well, let's talk about St. Louis <clears throat> in terms of the history. Tell me, kind of weave a little bit of a story of Catholicism in St. Louis. Well, the first people who came here were, were French, you know, French Catholic. Uh, and then some of the early people to come here were Irish. They liked it because St. Louis is named after a saint, right? <laughs> and and is Catholic. And the French didn't like the English either, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so then the Irish come and they bring Irish Catholicism. And then like a whole lot of Germans came. And uh, there were a number of German Protestants, but a lot of just because of the history in Germany, a lot of them were German Catholics. And they come in. We're around the time of the Civil War by then. And it's interesting, too, because Archbishop Kenrick, who was like the archbishop here forever, from like, you know, before the Civil War to, you know, the beginning of the, well, the end of the 19th century, um, he wanted every ethnic group to have its own church. I mean, after all, you can't have Irish praying with Germans, right? You know, so... <laughs> So there's St. Columkill in Carondelet and St. Boniface right up the street on Michigan. You know, these are all just wonderful places to go. And again, if you're Catholic or not, just to go in and just sit and look at the architecture and the design. And who knows, you might even 
be inspired by a voice <laughs> from above. Well, if you're lucky. Well, you talk. The book is called Places to Pray. Yeah. Today, I mean, what have you found in doing the research for this? Are people still doing that in large quantities, or has that kind of gone by the wayside? You read an awful lot of reports and stories about how, you know, the, the churches, the society has become more and more secularized, and that's true. Uh, you hear about, particularly in the Catholic Church, mass attendance going down. But what I saw was a lot of packed churches and really busy, active, devoted communities, not just in St. Louis or in the neighborhoods, but also in little towns around Jefferson City in the central part of the state. There are a lot of places like St. Patrick, Missouri on the <laughs> Iowa border, Frankenstein, Missouri, which Frankenstein. is, yeah, they've heard all the jokes, believe yeah. me. Yeah. Frankenstein, Missouri, uh, not too far from here, which has this incredible Romanesque church, like in the middle of town, and town is not very many people. Um, and it's the center of community. It's the center of faith. And I talk about architecture and art and all of that. But personally, for me, it was also a journey of faith. I mean, I'm Catholic. Uh, I wanted to know and get a, a broader feeling for my religion. You know, what's it like out there beyond St. Louis? Well, I wanted to ask you, what, what did you find personally on that journey? I found that you're very welcome wherever you go. And I assume that even if you're not Catholic, you would also be welcome. I found a lot of pride in the history uh, and uh, the architecture and the design of churches. See, because people from Poland or Germany or Ireland or anywhere, uh, and, and it's not, there are also African-American churches in St. In, in, in Louis, beautiful places, uh, mostly on, on, on the north side. This is a reflection of people's culture. You come to America, you speak a different language, you're from a different culture, <laughs> you bunch of you settle by yourselves because nobody else wants you and you're afraid of everybody else, and you start a town in a cornfield or in a neighborhood. Mm -hmm. The first thing these people did was take their best craftsmen and stonemasons and carpenters and build something that said, we're here, baby. <laughs> we're here. And, yeah. and, 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 and we're not going away, and we're eventually going to become Americans. But right now, like, uh, we're a lot about Poland or Italy or Ireland. And they would build something where from miles away you could see the steeple on the hill. These little towns like uh, uh, Washington and Herman, you know, like the church is right up there on the top of the hill because it's an important building. And uh, and they were saying, we're here. This establishes who we are. And look at all the beautiful things we can create. Was there anything surprising that you found along the way? I think the most surprising thing was growing up, I sort of thought of ignorantly, I thought, of Catholicism as being a city thing and, you know, an urban thing because I grew up in St. Louis. And probably the most surprising thing was how extensive the church is in rural areas. And there are all these wonderful little churches scattered around the state on these tiny little roads. And that's fun in itself, is exploring back roads of the state that you've never seen before. And this book is you know, a good guide for this. Sometimes it'd be 6 o'clock in the morning. I wanted to, I, I did the photo, photos in the book, too. I wanted to catch the light just right. So at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, I'm headed down a little country road, and there off on the horizon of the sun coming up behind it is a steeple, you know, which is the heart of, 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 of a little town. 
pull up there, there's the graveyard, you know, fog rolling across, you know, the, the, the grounds, being able to experience that. It was very much like going back through time. You talked before about how society has become more secular, but the challenges that we've been facing recently with mass shootings and crime and all kinds of other things, war, uh, do you think that there's maybe a, a reversal of that possibly happening, that people are going to latch on to religion more and prayer because life can get so challenging? What we're doing right now isn't really working. And, you know, hey, like, I'm as secular as the, as the next guy. But I think when the values... Okay, now I'm going to get really philosophical here. But <laughs> it's okay. I, I think when the values of the society are totally, totally oriented around the individual being happy and being successful and accumulating things, and, and that's the ultimate, I think that's, that's going to fall flat because it's just not enough. And I want to emphasize I'm not trying to convert anybody from this book. Uh, I do share some of my own personal experiences, uh, uh, but I think we all sense somewhere deep inside of us, even if you don't believe in God at all, that there's something out there more than just us and our little lives. And the thing that I appreciate about the church is it does offer that. It, it offers you something else to think about that's bigger than, than, than yourself. And I also think one of the things I appreciate about Catholicism, it tries to reach people in a lot of ways. People sometimes talk about the church is narrow or the church is not tolerant or the church is, has a lot of rules. But, but actually, the, that's, I think, the way it used to be more than the way it is now. What I see and what I, one of the things I like about the Catholic Church is it's a religion that tries to reach you through the senses. Catholics, we, we kind of joke about bells and smells you know <laughs> but but the art and the design and the music and the way they incorporate all of that to try to put you in a mood beyond that busy consumer world out there you can actually get away and i think more and more people are looking for something like that and uh whether in the catholic church or the big mega churches uh there's something out there for, for you know for everybody hey for me I like being a Catholic. For somebody else, they might like being something else. And I, I, I think that's cool. But I do think in answer to your question, I think we need something more than just a totally physical, secular sense of who we are. Well, the subtitle of the book is Holy Sites, not just churches. Yeah. So what are a couple of examples of holy sites in Missouri that aren't churches? I went to a, a convent, uh, actually a monastery in Ava, Missouri, where they make the best fruit cake in the world. <laughs> I went to uh, in in Gower, Missouri. I went to a Benedictine uh, convent, and uh, where they actually they express their faith through music, and and uh, these sisters there, they have actually made the top ten chart of Billboard. I mean, they make albums. <laughs> I, I've gone to the Pink Sisters, where they sort of pray for humanity 24 hours a day. They're famous in St. Louis on the north side, Cottage Hills neighborhood, and that's what they do. You know, they pray, they pray for humanity 24 hours a day. They've been doing it since like 1927, and I'm kind of grateful because I think we, I, I think we need it. There are beautiful outdoor places, like not far from here. If you live in St. Louis, it's an easy shot down to Pacific um, and see the um, Shrine of the Black Madonna. 
I went there on a fall day again with fog and it was kind of spooky and it's it's got a wonderful story too. It's built from individual stones and pieces of costume jewelry. It's it's a few acres by one Polish monk, uh, uh, a brother, Bronislaw. Uh, He spent about 20 years of his life building this thing and then dropped dead on a summer day actually in the process of, of building this thing. That's how he spent his life. And it's, it's amazing to, uh, to see it. Um, there are uh, shrines and grottos and uh, just all kinds of... There's a place out in Forestell where you can bring the family. It's, a, um, it's actually a sculpture under a pavilion of the Holy Family, but it's represented as just a working class family. You know, Joseph's got his tools and Mary's, <laughs> you know... Uh, doing something around the house like she's cleaning things up and Jesus is just a kid all life size pretty cool bring the kids have a picnic there's a little lake there so there's kind of something for everybody in the book and I did put in contact information uh, don't go to a lot of these places unless you've called first not every church is open like in St. Patrick, Missouri there's a, a, a little Irish church modeled after an Irish church in Ireland uh, but when you go there, there are only about 20 people who live in town. It's a beautiful church, but you might have to go next door to the general store to pick up the key to get in. <laughs> so call first. They'll be glad to have you, but don't just drop in unannounced and assume that somebody's going to, you know, going to be there for you. It's an adventure. Like, yeah. like, get in the car, get out of town, see something different. Missouri's a beautiful state, and all of these little churches tell their own stories of uh, the history of where we live through religion. We've been talking about the buildings, the architecture, the art. What about the people that you met while you were doing this? The pe- people were one were wonderful. They 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 want to welcome you in and show you what what uh, examples of who they are from their history and what their grandparents created and what still in, endures today. They want to make sure that you come out and see their, their grotto in the back where real water from Lourdes is brought in and you know put, put in there, the curative water from the shrine in Lourdes, France. Uh, show you the, the special, uh, uh, something special, for example, at Our Lady of Sorrows uh, in Starkenburg, not too far from here, uh, there's... Uh, uh, a leg brace that the, a young woman with polio came in and prayed, was cured, and left the leg brace there. It's been there by the Shrine of St. Patrick since the 1930s. You know, all these little stories that they want to tell to get you involved in their life and in their community, in the history of their parish. This is kind of like religious tourism. Almost. It is. It is. And, you know, you might, uh, I've, I've got Catholic friends who they pack up the family and they go on a little like religious tour. Instead of going to Disneyland, they'll, you know, go to, go to, uh, uh, you know, a tour of, a tour of shrines, but it's all there. You, you might want to, uh, spend a day, go to Jefferson city and decide during the day, you want to see some of these churches. They are beautiful and they range from gorgeous basilicas in Kansas City and St. Louis to just tiny little places made out of uh, St. Patrick uh, in Catawissa, uh, mm-hmm. built with with mortar by Irish craftsmen, uh, with uh, built from stone without mortar. There's such great craftsmen. Wow. At least the first four and a half feet. Then the Civil War came and they had to stop. <laughs> and then above four and a half feet, it's a different kind of stone. So you can see history even in the architecture. Yeah, the architecture, the art, the music, the history. There's so much that goes into these places. 
the stories that they tell about our lives now and their lives decades and, and centuries ago. And why did they ago. go to all that work? Why did they go way beyond what was necessary? I mean, you can pray anywhere. You know, I mean, it could have been just, and they, a lot of times they started out as log cabins. But what prompted them? To, to go so much further, to create beautiful stained glass and beautiful carpentry and gorgeous designs. Like, something there. Well, uh, what's your answer to that? Well, their faith. <laughs> <laughs> that they wanted, to, they wanted to take what was inside of them and express something, something bigger. To be able to connect to something bigger. I mean, God, or call it what you will. You know, something outside and bigger than ourselves. This idea that, like, maybe, you know, maybe... Maybe the universe was created by something way bigger than us, and you'd like to sort of uh, get in touch with that. Just that sense that there's something out there that you'd like to connect with. The book is called Places to Pray, Holy Sites in Catholic Missouri. Patrick Murphy, thanks so much for your time. This has been fascinating. Thank you. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.